Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from, our, from a guilty conscience and have our, our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name's Simon. Uh, I'm the pastor here. As of tomorrow, I will be one of the pastors here, which is very exciting, uh, as Tom comes to be our new assistant pastor, and he'll be here uh, on Sunday as Andy prayed for us. And that is a wonderful thing. And there'll be a chance to meet him in the service, uh, and then again for the members uh, in the afternoon. Uh, and that will be a wonderful thing, God's provision to us, uh, him and, and Laura. We're going to take some time looking at a portion of God's word, and then we're going to share uh, communion together as an expression of what unites us, what binds us uh, together. So please have uh, Hebrews chapter 10, page 1208, uh, in front of you. As I start with a question, and the question is, uh, why are you here? I wonder how you would answer that question, why are you here? It's an incredibly simple question, but possibly with a range of answers. The first answer might be, I don't really know. I was kind of passing and just thought I'd come in, it looked warm, so I thought I'd go. I wonder for some, it's just, it's part of routine. Every day has its own routine that I do the shopping on this day and I go to visit someone on this day and I just go to church on Sunday. I've always done that. I'm here today. I will be forever. It's just, it's just what I do. Maybe for some of you, particularly some of you younger ones, you're not the decision makers in your family. You don't really have a choice whether you're here or not. You just get dragged along because more arguments about whether you're going to keep the games console are just not worth it. But some of you, I would hope most of you, are here because you understand what this is. There are lots of things going on in Headley Park right now. There'll be some people having a lazy breakfast, watching the TV. There'll be some who are preparing maybe for a day of sports and Oldham's are at home today. There'll be some who are out shopping. There'll be some who are doing some DIY, some spending time with family. Let me tell you, there is nothing more important going on in Headley Park right now than what is happening here and now. Now, because we need to get our perspective right. This is not massively significant, massively important because of me. I just stand here and try not to break things. It's not significant or important because of our building. Our building is great. It is a real servant to us. I'm really glad we have it. But it's not because of the building that this is important. No, this is hugely significant because this is the place and this is the time when God's glory is most clearly seen in Headley Park. 
That's what makes this so profound. You see, here, people who are really different, people from different backgrounds, of different ages, from different parts of the world, they gather together to show that the gospel unites. It may be that we have nothing else in common, but because we have Jesus in common, we have everything that we need. See, here we show the world how life was always supposed to be. God's people loving each other and submitting to God's word. That's how life is supposed to be. And here, you catch just the merest glimpse as God's people gather together. And here, we catch sight of eternity. Now, don't get me wrong. Eternity is not going to be one long church service. Don't worry about that. But the very fact that people are together serving God, delighting in him, loving and serving each other, encouraging one another, full of joy because of who Jesus is. That's what eternity is. And it's the only place as we gather together where we catch something of what that will be like. Why are you here? We sang some words of Peter a moment ago. And Jesus' disciple gives us the answer. Here are those words. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. For those who grasp what this is, there is nowhere else they would be. Because this is the place where we come together, where we hear, where we sing, where we encourage each other with the words of eternal life from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's why we want to be a church for everyone. Why we want everybody to see that there is nothing better than gathering together in this way. See, when we truly grasp what it means to be part of the church of the Lord Jesus, when we see the glory of that, we should want to do all we can to share that with others. If you go to a new amusement or a new feature in town, or you go on holiday somewhere, and it's amazing, you want to tell people, you should definitely do that. That's how it should be, as we meet together to gaze upon the glory of God's. We want everyone to meet Jesus through his word, to feel at home with his people, to find purpose in his mission. Because that's what it looks like to serve God. That's what it looks like to be realigned with God in his rightful place and us in our rightful place. And so we need to encourage one another. We need to put courage into one another so that we can live for him each day. We looked last week at encouraging each other to live lives worthy of God. That that, that is possible, despite how it may sound. And today it's encouraging each other to meet together, based on verses 24 and 25 of the passage that was read before. So we're thinking about why we meet, and it's vital for those of us who are here, but it's also vital for those of you that are here. And whether you're watching live, whether you're catching up later in the week on YouTube or through the podcast, the question that I want to ask you is different from the question that I want to ask people here, which is this, why are you not here? You see, that's not about a guilt trip. It's not about guilting people in here. There are a number of really good reasons why people aren't here. But there are also some bad reasons why people aren't here. And so all of us, whether we're here or where we're not, We need to understand what's going on here and reflect on our position before the Lord. 
And so this section, these few short verses, we want to paint that vision of what it means to meet together, primarily as whole church family, but also in refresh groups around the city, uh, but also in those times when we meet together as individuals and uh, small groups coming together at different times, as we get reminders of what we have in Christ and what we do in Christ. That's why we come together. So firstly, to remind ourselves what we have in Christ. Now, the only verses of this passage are based around two we-haves. Verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God. See, these are statements about what Christians have, and they set the stage for what is to come, about the glory of um, meeting together, and they show us the importance and the excitement and the privilege of what we do. The first thing that we have is confidence to enter the most holy place. Now, this is Old Testament language, the first part of the Bible, and it's a way of describing where God is. Essentially, the writer is saying we have confidence to enter God's presence. The most holy place, it was the most important part of the Jewish temple because it was the place where God met with his people. The temple was the centerpiece of Jewish religion and right in the middle was the most holy place. Except it wasn't much of a meeting. This was the place where God met with his people. It's not met in the way that we might understand. You see, the holy place, most holy place was behind a huge thick curtain only one guy, the high priest, could go the other side of the curtain, and even then, only on one day of the year, after lots of ritual preparation. As far as meeting together is concerned, it's not particularly intimate. It still seems quite distant. If you could tell an Old Testament Jew that you had confidence to enter God's presence, it would result in you being laughed at, in you being ridiculed, in you being accused of blasphemy. God is holy. He is burningly perfect, and we're not. See, being close to God is dangerous. Like if we could get close to the sun, the closer we got, the more dangerous it would be for us. But we have confidence by the blood of Jesus. That's what it says. See, the ritual preparation to go into the most holy place, it involved the death of a lamb. The symbolism was that the people deserved to die for their rebellion against God. And yet all of that guilt, all of that dirt was transferred onto the lamb. And the lamb died so that the people were clean. God saw the lamb as guilty, not the people. And so the lamb died and the people could go with the high priest into the presence of God. But where that was only temporary, where it had to happen time after time, year after year, because obviously a sheep can't deal with our sin eternally, what Jesus did was permanent. Verse 20, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. See, through his death, he brought never-ending access through the curtain. God is always there for those who are in Christ. When someone comes with the blood of Jesus, they are never turned away. Just as the curtain was the way in for the Old Testament people of God, so Jesus 
through the sacrifice of his body upon the cross, is the way in to God. And it's repeated in verse 21. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, the high priest was the one who went into God's presence, the other side of the curtain, that one day a year, bringing the people, standing on behalf of them, into the presence of God. But now there is a great priest. A great priest who is able to do so much more, bringing us to the Father, not in fear, but as part of the family, for he is the Son. My mum and dad, they live in North Derbyshire, just over the border from Manchester. And if for some reason, I don't know why you would, you wanted to go and visit them, you'd put their address into your sat-nav and you'd turn up outside and you'd maybe walk up the path wondering what the, what the reception would be and you'd, you'd ring the doorbell and probably take a step back wondering what kind of first impression there would be when either my mum or my dad would open the door. Imagine how that would change if you were with me. We get out of the car, you haven't even thought about how you get there because I know the way. And we stride up and we don't even bother with the doorbell because I never do. I just open the door and I walk straight in because I am certain of the reception that I will get. And because you're with me, you can be certain of the reception that you will get. I'm the son. Of course I have full access to my parents' house. And when you come with me, all of my privileges become yours. Well, you're not sharing the Dr. Pepper, but apart from that, all my privileges are yours. Jesus Christ is the son who loves to bring people to his father. See, our sin separates us from God, yet through the blood of Jesus, his sacrifice upon the cross, we can be forgiven and adopted into his family. You're part of the family, coming into the presence of God with Jesus Christ, the true and eternal son. We have confidence because we have a great high priest. It is him who gives us confidence because it is him who brings us to God. And so the question is, do you have this? Do you have confidence because you know that you have a great priest? See, your level of confidence is connected to your view of Jesus. The more you look at yourself, the more you look at your own strength and your own goodness, the less confidence that you will have. The more you look to Jesus, the more you will realize that God's presence is where you were made to be, finding life to the full and delighting to serve the God who made you, who saved you, and set you for heaven. Do you have this confidence? Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, it is heartbreaking to hear when someone doesn't come to church or someone doesn't take communion because they feel they're not good enough. Being here and taking communion is exactly what those who feel they're not good enough need. None of us are good enough. I stand here as your pastor, preaching the word of God, telling you I am not good enough for this. And yet, through the blood of Jesus, We can live lives worthy of God. We can enter the most holy place. We can stand knowing that we are accepted. When I stride into my parents' house, it doesn't matter what kind of week I've had, does it? I'm the son. I'm accepted because of who I am, not because of what I've done. And so each of us, 
We come into the presence of God because of who Jesus is. And that's why we meet together. That's why we do what we do, because we waver so much. Our confidence goes up and down, and we need each other to keep going. So helpful what Andy said at the beginning. If you're full of joy, then sing out with joy because it will encourage one another. If you're really in the depths, then listen to those singing with joy because the Lord may use it to raise you up. In our struggles with sin, in our strains with life, we need to be lifted up and pointed to Jesus. And that's what's happening when we meet together, when the gathering of the church is doing what it should. As we hear others pray, as we listen to them sing, as we talk about Jesus, our hearts are lifted as we see the reality of his work in our lives. Those COVID lockdowns, they reminded us just how much we need each other, how much we need that contact. And there's a truth that's clearly seen in the Bible. It is communal. It is together that we live this Christian life. We remind each other of the glory of God's people meeting together, displaying the difference in our lives that Jesus makes. When we spend time together in Refresh, when we get a coffee and talk about the Lord Jesus, when we grab some food during a lunch break at work, and particularly when we gather together on Sundays, we remind each other of what we have in Christ. And what more could you want for your brothers and sisters? To spur them on in their faith, to cause them to love Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That person loves Jesus more because he used me. What a privilege. What a glory that is. We encourage each other to meet together because we should want to serve each other, looking to the best of others, praying that the Lord would use us to build up a brother or a sister. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together because of all that we have in Christ. But secondly, we meet together to remind ourselves of what we do in Christ. We've seen the first two we have, the things that are true of us because of Jesus. And the rest of our passage is built around the phrase, let us. Three times, one in verse 22, one in verse 23, and one in verse 24, we're called to something. And even those two words are instructive. Let us is communal language. The writer doesn't say, let you. And in Greek, it could be singular, so it could clearly be just to individuals. He says, let us. It's something we do together. This is not primarily about what I think is true for me, but what is true for all of us from the one who is truth himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. So how are we to move forward together in Christ? The first, let us, in verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. See, this flows, doesn't it, from what we've already seen. Do You see, because of what we have, we can now do this. See, there are incredible things that are true about Christians because of Jesus, and we miss out if we don't press into them. Look at what is true from this verse. Full assurance of God's acceptance. Guilt removed as our heart has been cleansed. Our lives redeemed and cleaned by our Savior. Why would you not draw near to God? Look at what this says, brothers and sisters. What a privilege Jesus has won for us. Why would we not press into it? Yesterday, I took two of uh, Ruth's nephews to their first football match down at uh, Ashton Gate. Uh, Joe and Frank, they're nine and seven. There we all are. Uh, and they loved the experience. 
even if Watford put up too much of a fight and uh, City didn't quite get the win that we were all hoping for. I was a little concerned when less than two minutes in, uh, Frank there in the middle said, why haven't there been any goals yet? I thought, oh dear. <laughs> Joe's prediction was for 3-2. It was one all. So uh, yeah, we didn't quite get there, but that was all right. And it took me back to being nine years old, all those years ago, and the first time that I went to Old Trafford to watch Man United play, approaching the ground, seeing that incredible cathedral of sports, I'm building it up a bit, going through the turnstiles, seeing the pitch for the first time, finding a seat, and then the rush when the players came out. I was in the presence of Man United. Our tickets yesterday were a guarantee of access to Bristol City. There were 22,600 and something of us, and we had access to Bristol City. How we would miss out if we hadn't bothered going and just occasionally talked about the fact that we had tickets. Oh, isn't it nice that we've got tickets for the football? But didn't actually press into what that told us. We should want to make the most of who we are. The access that we have to draw near to God in prayer, in dependence, in devotion to the one who has given us all. Which leads us to verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. You see, that's where my football analogy breaks down. My first ever game at Old Trafford, I watched Man United lose. Bristol City, they couldn't manage a win yesterday. The hopes that I had about Man United in the 90s and the 2000s when they were brilliant are rather different now that they aren't. But those who follow Jesus, they follow one who is faithful. Did you see that? For he who promised is faithful. He keeps his promises. He never disappoints. He is always worthy of our faith. The great hope of the Christian faith, that we spend eternity in the intimate presence of the God who made us and he saved us, is based on the one who is faithful. Your confidence on whether you will make it to the end is based on him. And he is faithful. I'm not. I'm not faithful. I can't bear that weight of trust that the Lord Jesus can, but he is. And so I can hold unswervingly to that hope because Jesus promised and Jesus can be trusted. And because we have that great hope in view, the final let us flows out. Verse 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. You see, we see the future. We know how things end. We know Jesus wins because he has already won. We know that all history is heading towards the moment when the Lord Jesus returns and makes everything new. And so we should spur one another on to do things, to live in the light of that glorious truth. What makes the difference? Because Jesus is coming back. What makes sense? Because Jesus is returning. And we're told here it's primarily to love. Love is the language, the accent of the Christian faith. And so everything is love. And that spurs us on to good deeds. And look at the care that is taken. It says, let us consider. We should be thoughtful about this, intentional. We're encouraged to take time to think about how we can love one another, how we can spur one another on to love and good deeds. When we talk about 
these things with those that we know well? Are we talking about who we are in Christ and what blessings there are in knowing him? Are we thinking about how we can spur one another on in love and good deeds? How can we love each other more? How can we love Jesus more? Why not give it a go? If downstairs in a while, when you're having a drink, if it's with someone that you know and that you're comfortable talking with, why not just ask them what they love most about Jesus and pray that it will spur both of you on in love and good deeds. Let's just be talking about our Savior. Again, to misuse that verse, where else can we go? This is the place where Jesus is known and loved. We're to encourage each other in all of these things as we meet together. As we remind ourselves who we are and what we have and what we can do because of Jesus. And it's encouraging when we're together. The future isn't online church or overtly individual faith, but the body of Christ together displaying his glory. And as our passage finishes, it calls us to look to the end, verse 25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day of Christ's return, this glorious hope that we have as Christians, it should what should fill our view. And it's been a joy for me this week to spend some time with a number of different older saints who, if things go as expected, are closer to meeting Jesus than some of us who are younger are. I sat with John Carey in the care home this week. Now 90 and a shadow physically of the strong builder that he used to be. He's missing Margaret, his wife of 67 years, because they can't be together and she's been ill so she couldn't get into the home. He's sad that he can't make it to church. Oh, how he would long to be sitting in these chairs, and yet he can't. Yet when I read the Bible, when I spoke about Jesus, his face lit up genuinely. Let me tell you, I'm not prone to exaggeration. It was like there was a light switch inside, and it just shone. And he smiled, and he was so grateful for all that Jesus had done for him, for the hope. And when I said to a man in his 90s, so frail, he can hardly raise himself, that the best is still to come, he said, yes, it is. There is a man who has spent a lifetime drawing near to God, who is holding unswervingly to the hope he professes, and he spurred me on to love and good deeds. And I've got multiple stories of multiple older saints who are looking to Jesus as they have done for their lives. Where does that come from? Where does it come from? It comes from decades of trusting Jesus and decades of meeting with his people. We have a special saviour. We have a special privilege. Let's not give up the habit of meeting together and encourage each other and all the more as we see that great day returning, that day when the Lord Jesus will return and make everything new. Let's pray. Our great God and heavenly Father, we, we thank you that when you called us, you didn't call us into isolation, but that you called us into community. 
I thank you that as I look out here, I see brothers and sisters who point me to Jesus, who show me Jesus, who have been influential in making me more like Jesus. And I thank you that you use us to reveal your glory. Father, thank you that we can encourage each other just by being here. And yet as we look at this passage, as we see the glory of who we are and what we can do, oh Lord, I pray that it would be our heart's desire to encourage one another on this journey with Christ. Yes, he is our everything. Yes, he is all that we need. Yes, he is the all-sufficient one. And yet, he has made us part of his body. And we praise you that we can do this together. And Father, I particularly pray for our dear brothers and sisters who would love to be here but can't be. We pray for them. We pray that you would encourage them, that you would thrill them. We pray that their hearts would be spurred on. We pray that their personal time with you would be precious. We pray that we would be creative and thoughtful and intentional about how we can bless them. And I pray that as church community together, as church family, as your body, we would seek to spur one another on in love and good deeds. For you are our only hope. You are our complete hope. And we worship you for your eternal glory. Amen.